Welcome back to Recipe to the Road, the podcast where my guests and I try to make travel accessible to more people through information. I'm your host, Maria, and welcome to the show. If this is your first time listening, welcome. Thank you for spending your time with me. And if you're a regular listener, thank you, thank you, thank you for continuing to join me each week. This episode, I'm super excited to be speaking to Katie and Luke, who, along with their two-year-old daughter, you might know as the Ungraceful Guide. Katie and Luke have been traveling long-term for over six years now, and they are going to share a bit more about their story and how they managed to do it. In this episode, we will speak about budget backpacking, volunteering, how they started working in web development while traveling, being in India for the outbreak of COVID-19, and spending Katie's pregnancy in Thailand. This is a two-part episode, and in part two, Katie and Luke will be speaking to me about how they made the decision to keep traveling after Cora was born, and what it's like to travel with a toddler. We will also hear from Cora herself. If you have any questions about traveling with kids, send them in to me on Instagram at recipe to the road or by email at recipe to the road at gmail.com and we can answer them in the next episode. I'd love to know what you think of the episode as always and I do hope you like the unofficial soundtrack to this week's episode provided by Cora on the coins with accompaniment from the plate and a sheet of paper. Enjoy the episode! Thank you so much for joining me, guys. Oh, thanks for having thanks us. Thanks a million for having us. So let's start off just like talking a little bit about your background. Um, tell me a little bit where you're originally from. So we're both Dubliners, arch nemesis, <laughs> yeah. south side or north side. Opposite of the river, yeah. Yeah. So we're both Dubliners. Yeah. North side, south side. Yeah. But I dragged him over to the dark side. <laughs> so I think he's a reclaimed Your Romeo and Juliet thing going on. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we met 10 years ago now in Dublin City. Yeah, through a mutual friend. Through a mutual friend. At a cafe. Hi, Barry. When or how did you end up starting to travel? So, personally, um, I never really travelled. I didn't do the travel when you're young. Um, I went from college straight into my career. And I was like, no, I'm going to aim for that CEO position, be a young CEO. And my ambition took over. And so, I i mean, you traveled. You, yeah. you did a few stints in Australia. I had the opposite one. I, there was no way I was being CEO of anything. I got out of college and I was like, I'm out of here, bye. So I did like uh, Australia, um, America and traveled, kind of hopped around uh, a little bit of Europe as well. Not much, but mostly Australia and America. Yeah. And were you like working over in Australia and America? I was, yeah. I was working... Yeah, I mean, I had a couple of different jobs in Australia, the usual thing, you know, some construction, some bar work, etc. And then I was working in America, although it was not exactly what you might call illegal. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Under the counter work. Was Again, like bar work. Companies yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I actually worked with a bunch of, um, I worked with a, a bunch of Mexican guys painting houses. And oh, then yeah. I met a bunch of Irish guys who, like, had this cool thing that were, basically what they did was they got a refrigerated van and then they bought a an absolute rake of meat and made up these packages and drove to all the fancy houses in like La Jolla and California and sold them over the 4th of July weekend oh, and wow. made a fortune. Oh my yeah, God. Genius. <laughs> so it was like, so like the pre-prepared meal boxes, but just before that was a thing. Yeah. Well, no, it was just meats for oh, barbecue. Just... So you could buy like, a, you know, your pack that had say like X amount of sausages and chops and burgers, etc., cetera, et cetera. Oh, So brilliant. they just kind of bundled them and then sold them and made a, made a tidy little profit on it. Yeah. Brilliant. So then, you, did you then, after you'd kind of done all that, like, you went back and you were kind of, like, settling back at home, or were you just 
working for a while when you met Katie? Yeah, no, I mean, I, so I moved home after that and then um, I got stuck in and I was I um, kind of job hopping for a while. I like to say I have an extensive collection of hairnets and name tags. <laughs> um, and then... I have my little bowl of name tags. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then um, met a girl, a different girl, and, and uh, long story short, moved to Spain and that didn't work out. And then I moved home and I had sworn off women entirely. And then... That's always when it happens. Yeah, Barry, Barry introduced me to the love of my life. She walked in and I was like, damn, I had sworn off women. Um, and now we have a two-year-old daughter. So, yeah. 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 Amazing. So for me, obviously with the ambition at the forefront, uh, I definitely secured what I can easily say is my dream job. With that, I did a lot of overtime. So I think it was in like 2016, we took a long holiday. And um, we went six weeks to Thailand and Vietnam. And my bubble was burst. That was it for me. I was like, there is a whole world. I can't believe it. Like, I need to get out here and explore. Um, but it's so funny to think, remember, like, how terrified I was? Like, I wouldn't eat street food. I would only yeah. eat in the hotel. I would only stay in the hotel. I cried. I had a breakdown. Because there was a mosquito. mosquito in the bathroom. And I thought I was <laughs> definitely going to get malaria. Like, yeah. I really thought I wasn't cut out for the travel life. Yeah. yeah. But at the same time, I was like, I absolutely have to do this. And we went home and I just couldn't. It was like everything was just in grayscale. I was just like, I saw so much that I didn't like about my life. And I don't know, I just kept focusing on it. So then one day, Luke's friend lovely shout out to Carmen because she really did change our life that day um she came and she was like you guys should look at teaching English abroad like why don't you travel for a year you know get a TEFL teach some English and like just go and see what the world is about and that was it for me I literally enrolled within like two days right <laughs> I enrolled us both in a CELT course on Grafton Street in Dublin and uh, we did the full-time job and every Tuesday and Thursday and Saturday, we studied for ourselves. 16 weeks. For 16 weeks. And January, just after Christmas, January 2017, we handed in our notice. And we also handed in our notice to our Latin agent as well. And it was so very real. And I love telling this part of the story because I definitely feel like everyone can agree that before you take off, you just have this whopper sense of doubt, don't you? You're like, mm, am I doing the right thing? have I just quit my dream job? Oh my God, I've all, all of a sudden I've no stability. I've no home. I've nothing. I've sold everything. And the only money that's in my bank account is the only money I can live on right now. Like it's absolutely terrifying. But one day when we were kind of packing up and we thought, I think we were, we, we had like a month or something notice, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah we gave With our letting agent. Mm -hmm. We got a knock on the door and we were served an eviction notice <laughs> because our landlord was not paying his mortgage. Yeah. And we literally had to be out by like the end of the week. Um, I guess, yeah. Yeah. So for us, that was, that was a sign. <laughs> I was like, all of a sudden it's harder to be here in Ireland than it is just to go. There's like no, nothing in our mind that was kind of keeping us there. So we got on that flight to Mexico. We said, Mom, Dad, be back in about a year. And here we are, 2023, still going. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah, here we go. So Mexico was your first country. Yeah. Yeah, Aww. Mexico was our first country. Mm -hmm. And we flew through Mexico so quickly. And we, because we, at the beginning, we just, we weren't accustomed. We hadn't kind of found our rhythm yet with the travel, you know. Yeah. So we went very, very quickly. Which is why this time, now that we're kind of back, we were spending a lot more time in this part of the world than we did before, traveling a lot slower. Yeah. Yeah. I think that we were very stereotypical in the sense of we wanted to get through as many countries as possible 
in his short time really yeah. to sort of get it over with wasn't yeah. it it was like <clears throat> okay well, here we are in latin america like let's go mexico to brazil and let's do every country and you know wear the badge wear the t-shirt um but mm. now we're back here saying oh my god we missed so much and we didn't we didn't live we just saw a yeah. holiday it didn't well we? i mean i suppose the first time as well there was a bit of a sense of urgency because we had we thought a finite amount of time yeah you know what i mean we were like we're gonna travel for a year then we're gonna find somewhere we're gonna knuckle down for a year work for a year make some money and go home and put a deposit on the house mm. that was the plan oh, okay. so we were originally the plan was we were gonna do a year here because there was a couple of countries like nicaragua apparently were paying really well and then we thought maybe we would go to like the Middle East, the Middle East yeah. where they're paying what were at the time we're paying whopper money mm. for English teachers and stuff, especially native speakers. So we were like, we could do that. And then, you know, yourself. yeah, we we'll got home, the road put down we the mortgage, like, get married and have kids. Yeah. Yeah. So that was our, our plan. <laughs> <laughs> um, I actually, just to go back a little bit, I love what you said about like your first time traveling when you were like terrified of the mosquito and stuff like that because I think people will probably look at you and not and look look at your Instagram and just not think that you're like that at all mm-hmm. and like oh they're different to me therefore I can't travel mm-hmm. but like do you know everyone's well not everyone but a lot of people started that way and just got used to it so I yeah. think that's like really important definitely and then there's some people who won't but there's you can travel whatever way you see fit you know it, like there's a style of travel to suit every individual out there you know and you can travel with luxury you can travel on 10 euro a day you know you can hitchhike you can camp you can volunteer like there's so many different ways to travel but i think the main thing is that um you won't know your style until you just get out there and do it yeah and then you'll adapt yeah obviously you were teaching english and then you sort of got more into working online like how did that transition happen or why did that happen we never actually got around to teaching English. <laughs> we volunteered. We volunteered. Oh, okay. So like we okay, we did some we did some <laughs> teaching online and yeah. we handed out CVs and we did we went through the process of trying to find somewhere to actually work and in we the were, end we did get some jobs. Yeah, but we nothing didn't. that was going to pan out in the long run. Was, I think the universe kept kind of going this is not meant for you. Yeah, <laughs> like it was like we'd wake up and go oh my god, oh my god we're running out of money. Oh my god, we really need to like make some money and like work and you know actually use this yeah. s- uh, search that we got and then it'd be like oh, you know you'd apply for jobs you get offered something then you'd be like oh, do we really want to live here do we really want to stop right now should we keep going maybe we'll try the next country maybe we'll try the next country <laughs> so we we started volunteering we started volunteering as a way of where katie was like listen you know i think it's a good idea if we're not making money we should at least find ways to not spend money so we started volunteering Uh, the volunteering thing was great it was a twofold thing so we were like volunteering for things that we actually like enjoyed and cared about like a lot of animal shelters and like you know schools and an orphanage and like a couple of cool things like that and and in exchange we were getting like you know maybe bored and and one meal a day and stuff like that so in like animal shelters yeah yeah we went to volunteer in an animal shelter in thailand and we told them that we would do two weeks and we stayed for eight the first time and like <laughs> 10 the second. We went back again. Yeah. Um, oh, wow. Because you just, you fall in love with these with these people and these places and it's really cool. But anyway, so we were volunteering for uh, an NGO in Chile and we originally we went to teach English. But mm. then when we got there, he was like, I don't, the kind of the season's over. I don't really need teachers, but I've seen that you have a website and made a video and, and I would like to do this kind of stuff as well like do you think you could do that for me 
And Katie went, sure. Immediately got off the phone and started bawling, crying and Googling, <laughs> how do I build a website? You know what I mean? So um, so we went anyway and it, it worked out because obviously from breaking our own website so many times, we had kind of learned how to fix it or build it or whatever. So we built a website for the school there. They're actually still a client of ours, believe it or not. And oh, amazing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, uh, and then the local hostel. Then the local hostel, hostel was like, oh, can you do one for me as well? Their website as well. And it just kind of snowballed from yeah. there, word of mouth. We got another one here, another one there. And then slowly we got to a point where we kind of had to start investing in our own kind of hosting platform and equipment and all that kind of stuff. And it's just just kind of getting bigger and bigger. That's amazing. So you, yeah. you pretty much like learned on the job, like you yeah, know, as much as one can. Yeah, like we're websites. not qualified in yeah, <laughs> what we do. Yeah. Like you have a certain graphic design, yeah, have qualifications in marketing, but nothing to do with development. It's all self-taught. Yeah. yeah. Um, which. But we're not performing surgery, so it's fine. It's like, yeah. But I mean, I I think if you had said that to me before we left, like, oh, don't worry, you know. The cards say you're going to be earning and you're going to be, you know, developing websites, whatever. I'd laugh because I mean, I, as far as I know, I knew how to log into a website and put up a blog. That's, that's it. You know, I didn't so even have Facebook when I met Kate. Listen, anything can happen. Yeah, yeah, anything yeah. is possible. <laughs> well, I think like as a skill set, like I can see how like your skills will come together, like a graphic designer and a marketer, like will come together to... I mean, there, there's like just a little bridge in the middle, like there's to, like yeah. oh, I'm sorry, more more than a little bridge, but I can see how both of your skills would yeah, come in the crossover, like yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, Luke only got his graphic design search during COVID. Yeah, yeah, we just said we'd use COVID to like upskill and really get into a business mindset and like register a business, you know, cause obviously this all happened on the road and we didn't really know what we were doing. And we were just taking any job that was coming our way so that we could continue doing what we love. But then obviously um, when we got back to Ireland and we were kind of stuck there essentially for COVID, we were like, let's start taking this seriously and yeah. become a business. Now obviously it came into the fact that like Cora was in our world and we had to, you know, the mindset of like, we yeah. need some sort of security. We can't just continuously wing this anymore yeah, yeah. and just rely on volunteering or not spending, you know? And it was definitely one of the best things we did, I think, because we, we were in a better position than we, are, than, than we were. Mm. You know, we weren't just kind of, you know, doing what we could until the next job came in. Now we have like set wage every month mm. any additional money that comes in we save we still live and uh travel on a tight budget and as we are as quite fr- yeah. frugal not as tight no as impossible before, impossible yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, mean we've gone from like that hitchhiking and camping on the side of the road yeah, to yeah. now you know solely looking at camping on the side of the road <laughs> no no yeah. now we need we kind of need somewhere with a kitchen now ideally when we're when we're looking for places because you know yeah yeah it's a uh, we have to provide a home yeah. wherever we go in, in yeah. a weird way you know mm. also like we, we I suppose we we tend to look out for places that have like say for example like walking distance to a playground or like if they mention that there's like animals or kids on the, on the in the listing then we're like we're in mm. you know because I mean she you, you want her to play with kids and stuff as well you know you want her to play with animals and play with kids and have fun and like get out and do stuff so yeah it's important to do that as well hmm. so the like home side of things is more important now Absolutely. rather than just having a roof over your head for the night exactly yeah i mean like we have you know especially lately since we've come to guatemala we have had book we've booked nothing mm. we're just rocking up and banging on doors 
But I think that as well is suiting us a bit better because we get to see where we're staying and, you know, you can yeah. kind of go, okay, like this is perfect for Cora. There's a space there for her to play or, do you know what I mean? Mm. Um, I, it's funny how you look in a room and even if you see like a, a you know, a, a dodgy plug board next to the bed, you're kind of like, hmm. You, you, it makes you consider whereas before we'd be like ah, be grand one of us might get electric yeah. but now it's like nah we gotta be responsible we've a little human to keep alive here so yeah, yeah your eyes definitely <laughs> see different don't they they do yeah <laughs> yeah and um, before we kind of get into more about like what it is like traveling with a toddler I just wanted to go back to what you said about like registering your business and having that like what kind of things did you do to make like what kind of differences are there now say between before I know you said you have like a set wage but like what are some differences that you'd have now than you did before when you were doing things more kind of ad hoc well for starters we would have um so we have like a accounting software package and stuff now so that we we would need to keep a very strict control of like money coming in money going out what we spend our money on you know that kind of stuff and like paying taxes and all that kind of thing so we got a business bank account that all our money goes in there. Before, it would have been a bit more, like you said, ad hoc. It comes in, it goes out. Do you know what I mean? Once yeah. more comes in, then goes out, then, you know, happy days. Yeah. But now it's more kind of... Now we have a like, life policy have, and a pension. And a pension. <laughs> yeah. oh, so a pension. The two words that make it fun. Are you hearing this, mom? Life insurance. <laughs> um, so we've got like like that. I mean, I think we're just, we're just taking the work side of it a bit more seriously yeah and and we're also we believe in ourselves a Mm. bit more you know like we don't we're not um undercutting ourselves whereas before we just thought oh you know like we don't have a cert we can't really be charging what these big web agencies are or you know what i mean i mean in the beginning we were building websites massive imposter syndrome but now it's like you know what like the when when clients come to you saying such and such told me about you or i love this site or i love what you did there Mm. i want your work you're like okay like I'm providing a great service. Yeah. We are providing a great service. And so you do start to treat yourself a bit more like a business, you know? Now, obviously, so in a weird way, we've kind of fallen into a niche of where we usually only work with small independent businesses or side hustles for people who want to like get, make a bit of income, you know? So we would still be in a brilliant position because we're traveling in our with the low cost of living that we don't have to charge, say, the 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 same prices as the big guys Mm. that they might you know because websites are expensive and not everyone can afford it so it is nice that we can be there to say look you're paying half the price but you're still getting the best quality and that's not us undercutting ourselves that's just because we don't need to be earning what someone living in ireland needs to be earning you know so we have our own clientele and we, we we do kind of attract new business like we don't we're very lucky like we haven't really plugged ourselves we don't really talk about work on our Mm. on our social media or anything like that so i definitely think that gives you a little bit more confidence i think once you have that confidence you then are prepared to invest more in yourself aren't you 100 percent. yeah Yeah. and it's like it's a nice little community of 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 clients that we have you know they're all they're all really cool they're all really chill as well like it's unusual to have clients that you can email and be like, right, we're going off the grid for a week because we're not going to have any Wi-Fi. And they're like, have an amazing time. Yeah. See when you get back. Like it's Yeah, we're very you know, lucky. We're yeah. very, very lucky mm-hmm. with the way we work and the clients we have. And also it, it it allows us to spend a lot more time with Cora. Do you know what I mean? Like we spend yeah. a lot of time with Cora, which is great because there are days when, say, like we'll, we might get up at like, you know, half six, seven o'clock in the morning 
we'll get a couple of hours work done before she even wakes up mm-hmm. and then we spend the whole day with her and when she goes down then we'll work for like five six hours before we go to bed you yeah know? and then if we've like any pending deadlines or one of us has a little bit is a bit more snowed under we just tag team it mm. you know so like luke will take her out for the morning or the afternoon or maybe i'll take her and you know he gets some time so we just just communication really isn't it mm. but i think the main thing is definitely the thing i will be forever grateful until the day i leave this earth is that i get to spend every day with her mm. you know and yeah for me it's worth everything absolutely everything because i just couldn't imagine and my heart does break for anyone yeah. who has to you know i know some women are running back to work and they miss their independence and they miss themselves and i really do understand that um because i think i'd be <laughs> someone <laughs> yeah. like that yeah. but at the same time i just could not imagine eight days or eight hours a day without her yeah no, no way couldn't do it you know if you could change sorry we'll get on to like properly talking about like Cora now but <laughs> if you could change like the way you started things like say what everything you've done now like you set up your accountant software and you've, you're doing all things like very like officially mm. would you have done that from the beginning if you had the knowledge and stuff you have no now no no, no. no. absolutely not no, way. no, I don't even know if we would have done it if we didn't have a kid. <laughs> but I mean, I think because we went back to Ireland, right? And we were like, we have no existence in this country mm-hmm. right now. Like we've been off the radar for four years, right? So there's there's no paper trail of us in this country. And it kind of does like we uh, there's there's no want or, you know, we don't necessarily have the need to ever go back to Ireland and live there. But we do want that option. Yeah. Not mo- not even just for us, but even for Cora. You know, like we don't know what she wants to do when she's older. We don't know how academic she might be. We don't know if she want- wants to go back to Ireland for secondary school, you know. Um, and so we wanted to set up a paper trail yeah. because, again, of course we looked into, we were there for two years in Ireland and we we're like, if we wanted to buy a house, what do we need to do? Okay, we need to live in this country for five years and provide books pay tax, and pay tax there, and yeah. like, you know, show that we can afford whatever mortgage. Um, but then also we looked into it, we're like, holy, like, you know, Luke's 41, I'm 33, they're not touching them more. We're not going to get a mortgage, yeah. you know what I mean? No one's going to give us one. And then obviously, really? not no. at our age, no, and especially not in the current, the current climate. How very diplomatic of you, not at my age, you mean. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I mean, you know, but at the same time, like we have also looked into it from a, a perspective of, we know we will live somewhere one day. We we know we'll have a base somewhere. And so we wanted to have a business that was pretty much ready-made that we can like shut down maybe in Ireland and transfer it into the local country that we're going to. Because obviously we want to pay tax and we want to, you know, support yeah. the local economy. Like it's, it's, it's one of those things of like, we pay tax in a country that we don't necessarily live in. And also because essentially we're digital nomads in a way, um, or remote workers is what I prefer. There's no... There's nothing for us, right? Like there's no, if we're not resident in Ireland for six months a year, we're not entitled to anything. So there is a kick in the teeth. However, we do know that right now it is the right thing for us to do, you know? Yeah. Then last work-related question is, well, it's kind of work-related, kind of life-related. How do you balance everything? Because like I struggle to balance working and travel planning and seeing things and just like making friends along the way, like... But you've, like, a whole other human to worry about. Like, how do you balance everything? We struggle, too. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> really yeah. We do, we do. Mm-hmm. We've started travelling a lot slower. Yeah. Like, so much slower. And then what we'll do is, for example, like I said to you, we, we will kind of work in, in spurts wherever we can. 
And then we'll split our days where we'll kind of be like, okay, like Monday we'll go do something and Tuesday we'll take a Cora day and we'll take her to the playground. She can have a day up and go and have fun. Wednesday we're going to go and do that thing. We're going to see the insert landmark here. <laughs> uh, and then, you know, you just you kind of, I kind of figure it out as you go, I suppose. And uh, there are times where like, like now we'll land somewhere and we'll be like, the Wi-Fi is really good here. So we'll stay here for a week. Mm-hmm. We'll get a rape of work done, a backlog of work that we had, and then we'll move on again. You know, so I suppose it's just about kind of compartmentalizing and prioritizing. So like, even like that, if we're going into an area and there's a, there's a load of stuff to do and we know we're going to be there for like maybe a week, 10 days, and we have stuff to do almost every day. We'll plan it where we put the out of office on for a week or 10 days and we shut it down. We don't we don't even bother working. We don't take the laptops out. We just go. We have fun. Mm-hmm. We have like a little holiday. And then when we move on, we'll stop for a week and we'll get our backlog of work done. And Yeah, I think Cuba is a perfect example of that. And it mm-hmm. was like one of the first places. It was the first place we went to when we left Ireland in August um, 2022. And we knew research infrastructure you know the lack of wi-fi um and connections that it was going to be a really tough country to work in so we like that we let all our clients know listen out of offices on if it's an emergency whatsapp us and we will be able to get on and fix it you know it'll just be a little bit slower so we do and and that's how lucky we are with our clients like but i i kind of feel like it's the same management as if we were all at home in ireland right now in Mm. a 40 hour week and we're trying to get our job done, see our friends, hang out with our family, enjoy time together as a couple, manage, you know, keep the kids entertained. We actually have a lot more time. Wait, we're a couple? Each week (laughs) than maybe most. Do you know what I mean? Because like that, we don't have that eight hours in an office. Mm. We don't have to be in eight hours in the office, you know, whereas I think, and I think it's starting to head that way for sure now where, I mean, you even see the success rates of people dropping to a four-day work a week and they're actually more productive in those four days than they are in the five days, right? So you would be surprised what you would get done between 7 and 10 a.m. and 8 to midnight, you know? Like, there are times where we work more than 40 hours a week um, and there are times where we only work 10 and we're still probably making, you know, a decent enough money that lets us live. Mm. But at the same time, we are still figuring it out. I mean, we're only on the road since August. Um, It's working now. It's working for us really well. Yeah. But I think we'll still find, still got to find out (laughs) kind of how to manage it all and it'll get better. And I think it's easier as Cora gets older as well. Yeah. For sure. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Do you think like your experience traveling before, like, like what you're saying, like at home, you'd have to be balancing all these things, Mm. but you you kind of do that without thinking about it because you, you see your parents doing that and mm-hmm. you like we just naturally do that like you don't have to like be too actively thinking about it whereas like traveling I know for me I'm like this is all new to me so like I find like the actual like finding accommodation finding buses all that stressful like do you think that because you did that for so many years before that that's nearly like like you were normal it's like doing all that stuff. I think, and it's one thing that I say to everyone, and I don't like saying it to people at home because I always feel guilty as if I'm like complaining or like my friends family be like, hey, shut up. You're in Mexico for God's sake. Traveling is one of the most exhausting things that you can do. It's absolutely exhausting. It is the one of the most amazing privileges we have. We're very lucky and it's the most life-changing experiences. However, you are switched on in ways that like, it's just constant, you know, where am I going next? Where will I live? Where will I eat? 
you know how's my budget what am i going to see today how do i get to the next place where is the you know where's my visa there's constantly a question that you need to answer there's constantly something you need to organize right and this is not me complaining but it's mentally draining and it's it's what we call it's travel burnout mm. it's so real yeah. isn't it oh, um, yeah. and it really does take your toll yeah. i don't think it's any easier or any more difficult than it was pre or, po- or post cora yeah. <laughs> everyone says pre or po- post covid but we say pre or post cora <laughs> um i think the main difference is like before i mean we wouldn't really stay uh, in a place more than like four days sometimes we treat ourselves to a week if we were so, genuinely it, like exhausted like if it was over christmas or something, something there or like yeah, yeah or like exactly a local holiday that oof, we'd have to book yeah. we were on the move a lot and i do look back and go couldn't do that now yeah i couldn't do it now with core or with not core i've no interest in moving around every three or four days and we've done it haven't we like yeah. we do every now and again like if we kind of go off the beaten track and we know that accommodation is only hotels or there's a few towns to hop to, to kind of do a detour or whatever, we've moved every like that three nights, mm. two, three nights. But at the end of it, like the last time we did it in Mexico, we needed a six week break in Mexico City, didn't we? Because we were all exhausted from it, yeah, you know? We were yeah. But I think that's us finding our little style of travel now is like, let's call it digital slow mud right <laughs> like slow-mad. that's that's what we're at right now it's yeah. just slow travel take our time and live live yeah. in each place that we visit yeah. you know once we have a visa once yeah. the visa allows us <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but yeah. even in cuba like we had the month visa and we picked three four places four places yeah um and spent a week in each place and we were like we really want to see so much of cuba but there's no point in trying to cram all this in yeah because you won't remember it either like i mean it's not if you're going to tire yourself out and you know or you 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 push yourself too much that you end up disliking the place you almost hold the place accountable (laughs) yeah you know and then you leave and you're like oh i couldn't go back there and it's such a shame because even us coming back so what's this like six years later now Mm -hmm. we're back doing mexico and guatemala um you change your perspective change, the place changes, but you most importantly change. You're mature or you're different or you've gone through whatever life experiences and you see everything completely differently. So I'm like, I would forever visit the same places over and over again because I just think it's incredible to watch them progress. Yeah. You know? So let's talk about Cora. Um, so you spent the first part of your pregnancy in Southeast Asia, right? Yeah. Yeah. And it was still the best best decision I ever did so when we were uh, we were traveling just before COVID hit we were in India so we were in like the northeast India that's kind of on the uh, border of um, Burma Myanmar and obviously this was like February 2020 so we were kind of in this area that's not really wi-fi savvy and we were disconnected for a lot of the time. So even though we knew of COVID and we knew what was happening, we didn't know the extent and also how badly it hit Europe. Mm-hmm. And then as we were traveling around, we started to be refused hotels, uh, buses. People were pulling their kids away from us. <laughs> yeah. They were covering their mouth. because One guy the, let us on a bus. He was like, you can get on, but you have to sit on the roof. Yeah, with extra <laughs> luggage. Now, yeah, thankfully, yeah, it was only like yeah, a half an hour yeah. bus. And we were like, "Wee!" Yeah. We thought it was brilliant. We thought it was awesome. It was actually a lot of fun. <laughs> Just because they could tell that you were foreigners, so you might have been from somewhere else. Yeah, but you see, at the in. time in India, as the media were portraying it, there was a large group from um, Italy. Mm. Uh, I think it was like 16 people. 16. Um, yeah. So they obviously brought COVID in. That was like one, I'm sure it was in the country anyway, but it was like a source that they could pinpoint. And 
it was portrayed on the media as the Western virus. So all of a sudden, anyone who was a foreigner was kind of sort of like, you know, sort of <laughs> sent on their way. So we had hit, I think it was, uh, was it Munar? Munar? I think it was. It was no, Munar. No, Miramar? No. God, I can't think of it where it was now. So we went up into the north east to see the tattooed headhunters and then we came back down. Well, we, were try- we tried to get into yeah. that region. I can't think of the name right now. And they basically just said no. They they so they India were, shut down each state, mm. okay, right? So you couldn't cross borders anymore, and then it just became. I think the lack of like us not being able to get accommodation easily kind of spooked us a bit. Didn't yeah, it? we were a bit like what? Um, so then we went back the way we came because our thinking was let's stay with the people that we stayed on the way out because they know that we've been in the country for a month or whatever, right? And thankfully, they were really sound and really helped us. And obviously, then when we got back into the the world of like connection, we realized how extreme COVID was hitting. And we were like, okay, this is all making sense. So uh, we decided um, to head to Thailand. The reason why we picked Thailand is because we actually had a flight booked home in May because Luke's mom was due to get married. So we were like, right, we know we have a flight leaving there in May. So like, let's just get there. And we also knew that, you know, Thailand is better infrastructure and there is absolutely no possible way of social distancing in India. <laughs> like no possible way, right? And then there's also a party like, you know, this little bit of responsibility of like, we don't want to get sick. And we didn't know the extremes of COVID then, you know, as yeah. far as I was concerned, everyone could get it and everyone could get really sick and potentially die from it. So we were like, yeah. we don't want to take up a hospital bed in the country such as India, right? Um, Where by the way, social distancing is absolutely impossible. Yeah. Absolutely impossible. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's just, there's so many people there. So much I mean, so they had to sleep in trees. Yeah. Literally had to sleep. It's families crazy. had to sleep in trees. I mean, I remember standing outside in the marketplace, yeah. like shoulder to shoulder with people and just thinking, this is madness. Mm. Like you can't, Yeah. you can't get more than six inches from someone here. Never mind. Oh my God. Yeah, it's crazy, man. So um, I think it was like two days, I think three days before Paddy's, Paddy's day. Yeah. Um, I said to Luke, I was like, I'm just booking a flight. Let's just go back to Chennai, fly out and go to Thailand. But we had to do two back-to-back night buses, right? So we were like, we're not stopping. We're not trying to get accommodation. We're just going to go the whole way and just get to Thailand. So everything was fine. But on on our last night on the way to the airport, we got into a really bad bus crash. Um, And I definitely feel for me that was like the time where I was like, I... I actually craved home. I was like, I am so done. I'm so done. I can't deal with this anymore. And it was a really, really horrific bus crash. We got to the airport and I always feel like I'm like making it. It sounds like it's made up, doesn't it? Because you couldn't ride it. But I've never been in an airport before where there was just like panic, panic. People were like running around. People were like, freaking out people like even i remember a french guy was like where are you going i'm trying to get into me and yeah. he was trying to get yeah. into or malaysia and they weren't letting them in and this was at a point where every country was starting to close their borders um we had a flight to bangkok that day and i just remember i think we were still shook from the bus crash as mm. well i don't think we had actually registered what had happened um and we had like not properly slept or like showered or anything for like two days oh we got into the airport and i opened my ukulele because in, in the bus crash, it was basically what, what saved us. It yeah, was what broker. stopped us from getting smushed against the wall. And I didn't yeah. want to look at it until we got to the airport. And I opened it and it was broken. And I literally just broke down and started crying. And yeah. this guard came over and he was like, is everything okay? And I was just like sobbing. My guitar's broken. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, of all like people dying around the world. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, no, but it was, marry? I think for us, that was the peak of breakdown, wasn't yeah. it? The two of us. And the two of us, normally if one of us was having a, a mental exhaustion mm. moment, the other one kind of 
takes the, the reins a bit but uh <laughs> and then obviously we were sitting in front of them watching like our gate and just like all these flights are being cancelled what if we don't get out here like what do we do where do we go it was anyway. a stereotypical on the board you know when you see the, the all the place names yeah and beside it, it's just going yeah it was crazy man so then, thankfully, we got into uh, Thailand and we, we, we said we'd go straight to Koh Lanta. That's where we booked, go straight to Koh Lanta. And we arrived there. And again, we were very lucky because it was the day before Paddy's Day. And at that point, like, India was closed. Thailand was closing. So we just got in the nick of time. And then the island we were on, they shut off the whole island as well. So you could get off, but you couldn't get on. And then they were basically going around. Like, the Thai government were pretty impressive. They were going around and testing all the foreigners that were staying in all obviously hostels and homestays and hotels and stuff. So we were getting a good idea of what the numbers, the COVID numbers were um, on the island. And then obviously, you know, anyone who was te- uh, <laughs> tested positive was sent off into quarantine. So we were kind of staying in like a cabin and there was like a shared kitchen and the place was lovely. Um, I was kind of helping a family member at the time get to get out of Thailand and get back home. He was my uncle and was like mid 60s and he was like, it was quite stressful, wasn't it? Yeah. Eventually got him back to Ireland and we were like, that's what I said to Luke. I was like, do you know what? Because we were like, do we go home or do we stay? But after trying to get Uncle Ken home, I was like, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that journey. Like, it's just, it's mad. Like, there's no, every flight was cancelled. And this was at a time where if you had a cancelled flight, you were getting vouchers, right? And it's like, yeah. you just didn't know. It was just that, too the risky. The numbers were climbing at home, but they weren't mm. climbing where we were. Yeah. Mm. So we were like. Yeah. So then. Again, while we were there, I noticed I was late, but I actually thought it was down to the stress of what was going on. Makes sense, yeah. Um, but then there was that niggle in the back of the head. I was like, could I possibly be pregnant? So I said to Luke, I was like, we should go and maybe just take a test just to like, you know, cancel that out. And uh, yeah, didn't even stop peeing. And I was positive on the stick. <laughs> Open the box and the two lines appeared. Like, yeah, yeah, pregnant. I was like, I was just like, you're not going to believe this. So, um, yeah, so then we obviously had to make that decision of like, what do we do? Do we go home? And of course, there was a part of me. I was like, I need my mommy. I'm pregnant. Oh, do I tell her? Like, do I tell? Who do you tell? Like, what do you do? I rang my best friend and she was like, listen, you can go to the doctors now. They're just going to pay. They're going to make you pay to pee on a stick and tell you you're pregnant. They can't do anything until you're like 12 weeks. So she's like, sit tight, sit tight. Like you're on a beautiful island in Thailand. Like the best advice ever. Absolutely. Um, and she was advice. like, go oh to the local hospital or go to your, the local doctor and make a decision from there. So we went to the local public hospital, which is like, oh, the only way I can describe it is like, think of a tiny town school, right? Like just one building. With the yellow walls. Yeah. <laughs> but even it was open, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, so it was like, the like waiting almost room. like a courtyard with those, yeah. you know, like the plastic corrugated roof and like the steel pillars holding them up. Yeah. Oh, it was wow. like, yeah, okay. yeah. It was like one floor, one story. Chickens wandering in and out. There was cats <laughs> sleeping in the chairs of the waiting room. And I just remember amazing. sitting there and I looked at Luke and I was like, I'm staying at this hospital. I love this. <laughs> I love this. I absolutely love this. Like, it just made me feel super calm. And then we met the doctor and oh, like... Obviously, I've not compared it because it was my first pregnancy, but I will forever appreciate that doctor because he just, he was like, let's do all the tests. So he tested me for diabetes, which I had, the gestational diabetes, which in Ireland, they don't test until you're like 27 weeks, right? So straight away, I'm like ahead of the game. He tested everything. Um, we had to request a scan because they normally do a scan at 20 weeks there. So they were like, we don't do a scan at 13 weeks. It's pointless. And I, it's funny because we were like, they must do the scan at home just for like that moment of hearing the heartbeat and stuff. But in yeah. Thailand, they're like, nah, 
not not happening so we actually paid and we were like begging him and he brought us in we did the scan and he was like right he said uh, what do you say oh good news it's yeah. human now obviously really language barrier right so he's like it's human yeah. oh no it's two legs two arms two, two legs. arms human. it's human and was like ha 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 and thought it was great and then that was it like it was <laughs> over in a couple of seconds and I kept saying well what if this and what if and he was like there's nothing wrong I'm like and I was like yeah but do I need to know and he was like why are it's as if you want something to be wrong everything is fine come back next week or come back whenever the next scan was booked come back in the 20 weeks wasn't it go off yeah. for four weeks and come back I was never so relaxed in my life it was very, like the, the level of care that we received there was phenomenal and like they were so good and even the attitude that would the way they were there was just very calming and very relaxing you know what I mean like whereas I feel like here or in the Western world, they they need to inform you of every single thing that could possibly go wrong. Yeah. yeah. Whereas there, the the whole phrase of our pregnancy was all good, go home, see you, see next, you next time. Yeah, see you yeah. next time. You know, and that was it. And then it was it was incredibly yeah. affordable as well. Yeah. Now I know if we were home, we, you know, we wouldn't have been charged. It's free. <laughs> it's free but, but like just the care we got. They were so nice. They were so lovely. And even they used to call us surprise baby because when we went in, one of the first things we said was we don't want to know what the sex of the baby is. We wanted to be a surprise. And in Thailand, that's not, it's not a thing. Like they find out because then they can, you know, buy all the things they need and get on with it, et cetera, et cetera. So we would walk in, you'd see the same faces every time you go to the hospital and we'd walk in, they'd be like, yay, surprise baby. (laughs) Yeah, it was, it was yeah. really special and it was really comforting. And then on top of that, so obviously when we were in that like cabin with the shared kitchen and I found out we were pregnant, I was like, I'm not comfortable here anymore. I don't want to use a shared kitchen. Again, no idea what the effects of COVID. Yeah. So I was like, I just don't want to be sharing anything with anybody else, especially because obviously everyone was foreign, right? And we just were like, no, no, no. So and there were questions at the beginning as well, like how it affected pregnant women. Yeah. No one knew because we no hadn't had enough yeah. time yet. We so, didn't yeah. even really know at that time how contagious it was and how to like we knew social distancing, but you know, like we weren't even in the mask stage really. No. Well, we were in Thailand. We were in Thailand. That yeah, was we... a normal practice from from protection from pollution, and if you're sick, you wear it anyway. Um, but I said to Luke, I was like, I want to get out of here. I want to book a private, like a private little home or whatever. So we went, we went onto Facebook, and then eventually found us a place on airbnb and we went down we went down on a thursday to view it loved it um so funny that when we arrived our next door neighbors were two irish girls from kildare who actually followed us online and they were like what they were like yeah so instantly we were like this is amazing we'll all be locked down together didn't obviously tell them that you know we were expecting at the time um so we had paid we like confirmed and paid on the thursday and then we said we'll move in on the saturday so on the Friday, the government announced that every hotel, hostel, um, homestay had to close down and all the tourists were being brought into specific hotels okay. to kind of be monitored and, yeah. and tested daily. But it was obviously at the expense of the, the tourists, which I totally understand, but it really wouldn't have suited us. Um, and it was so expensive. Very expensive like they were for us. really, like, I mean, they were doing what they had to do, but they were making, they were making money off it as well yeah you know what i mean because you basically you stayed in the hotel you ate in the hotel the idea was that you didn't leave the hotel at all yeah and it was just very expensive so they were kind of 
making a thing. Yeah, so but we then were, it was a breeding ground. Yeah. Everyone that was in those hotels almost got COVID because, you know, yeah. they were putting everyone who was traveling around in so many areas in the one place. So, but anyway, um, we were very lucky because our Airbnb host, Nick, Uncle Nick, as we call him, um, was a lovely Englishman who spent most of his life in Thailand. Uh, he was like, listen, I put you down as residents on Thursday. So you can get get out of there, get in here, keep your head down, stay away from the main roads. If you, we'll do your shopping for you <sighs> and just bunker down until things calm down. Because obviously there was like 5K limits as well. Yeah. Um, and we just did that. And he was a godsend. He got me a pregnancy pillow. He bought me extra fans. They would bring me sweets for the baby. And have you any cravings? Like, I just felt like we had a family there. That's know? amazing. Yeah. So for, for us, it was a no-brainer. And I just said, right... So obviously all our flights were cancelled back to Ireland and so long story short, um, we just knew that was where we were going to spend our pregnancy and I looked at every airline to be like, right, what's the last week I can fly home <laughs> safely? And it was 33 weeks and that's when we booked our flight, but I don't think we booked until like, I think we flew home September, the end of August. Yeah. Very last weekend in August, I think it was. Yeah, because um, we were there, we were only home like September and then October and she was born in November. November. Yeah. 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 So uh, for me, I loved every minute of that pregnancy journey. It was so nice to just be ta- detached from the world. Yeah. And I feel like I had a really healthy pregnancy because of it. Because I had no stresses, you know, no o- information overload. Yeah. We had sunshine, outdoors, great food. So yeah. Yeah, so yeah. would recommend. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Like to and have your pregnancy, it. guys. That's, yeah, that's we, we exactly often talk about go. it and say like the next time we would we would stay. We wouldn't. We wouldn't be rushing home. Yeah, yeah. If know. I knew what I know now, I I wouldn't have come home. I wouldn't have gone home to have the baby. Oh really? <laughs> I think I would have had it in Thailand. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah, and we looked into it as well. We did look into it. You know, just in terms of like passport and how do we actually the logistics of it. <laughs> if um, she's born here, is she Thai. No, <laughs> it's not. It doesn't work that way. Not in Thailand no. anyway. No. <laughs> um. But yeah, we looked at every avenue. But then I think by the end, I was like, I I kind of want my mommy. Mm. Yeah, like, you know, absolutely. there was a little bit of, you know, the nerves of like, oh God, no, I'm actually going to be giving birth soon. So yeah, yeah, I'll get home. Um, and you know, it did in its own way work out because I, like I said, we wouldn't have done the things with the business and we wouldn't have had that opportunity to, it was lovely leaving Ireland going, we're so satisfied. We've been home for two years, but we know that it's not where we want to be. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It's nice to have like a reset every now and then. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's it for part one of my interview with Luke, Katie and Cora. Make sure to come back next Wednesday for part two, where we talk about what it's like traveling with a toddler. And if you liked the episode, make sure to give it a rating or a review on Spotify or Apple. And don't forget to get any questions or comments over to me on Instagram or by email. The details are coming up. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to Recipe to the Road podcast. If you want to contact the show or you have any comments or questions, you can get me on Instagram at recipe to the road or by email recipe to the road at gmail.com. If you'd like to follow my journey and see what I'm doing at the moment, you can also see that on my Instagram at recipe to the road. Thank you for listening. Bye.